some fast today. Uh, I'm going to, uh, I'm going, I've got about four or five scriptures that I really want to get out this morning. And so we'll probably go through this pretty quick. But I want to talk to you. Uh, I was going to share this actually last week and, and the Holy Spirit had different plans for us. So I was praying this week and it, it just felt, felt right that we should share this again. But, um, you know, and, and I'm so glad that like even the, the worship talking about how Jesus changed everything, um, you know, it kind of fits right in with this because one of the things that, that, that I think a lot of people, and, and actually evident from yesterday as we were able to pray for some people and talk to people, you know, it's amazing how many people have the, have the mentality or have the thought that God does bad things to them. You know, like, I don't know, we, there's three or four people we talked to that, that we, you know, we just hand them some water or hand them some of the gifts we had on the table, some of the things, and we would tell them God loves them and, and we had two or three, they, they would make comments like this. Yeah, you know, I know God really loves me. Man, He laid me flat on my back for a month last year. You know, He put sickness on me. He, you know, He gave me this, He gave me that, you know, and He did this to teach me a lesson. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I don't know what your definition of love is, but that's not my definition. You know, I would never think of breaking my kid's leg or arm to teach them a lesson. You know, because, I mean, that's, that's called child abuse, you know, but yet we, we attribute it to God all the time. And, you know, one of the, even, even more, now, this, this, this is a pretty radical statement. I, uh, Ed Elliott, he's, he's been here before. He's one of the missionaries we support, uh, as the church. We support his ministry, and he, he travels around the world doing mission work. But, uh, uh, one of his, one of his main topics that he teaches on is the love of God. And he sends out like emails every day and, and he posts a lot of stuff on Facebook. And the other, just the other day, this past week, he posted a post on Facebook and it went something like this. He said something to this effect. He said that, he said that God, even more than, than you, even more than you loving God, God wants you to know that how much he loves you. You see, because, and, and let me say that again, more, even more than you just loving God, God is more more interested in you knowing how much he loves you. Because here's the reality of that the reality of that statement. There's no way that you'll be able to love him until you truly understand how much he loves you. Because if you have the wrong conception of God, if you have the wrong picture of God, if you have the wrong thought of God, then you'll never love him like like he wants you to love him. And uh, so what, what I want to talk to you this morning about, just real quick, and we're going to look at, like I said, about four or five scriptures, and just to kind of, to kind of lay a good foundation for this, is this. I want to talk to you about the, about the fact of how extravagant God's love is to you. And, uh, and then, not only that, but then I want to, uh, just at the very end, we're going to talk about what's the purpose, why does God love us so extravagantly? You know, what is, what is the purpose of that? But let's look at a couple of these scriptures and then, uh, and we'll talk about this. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, uh, this is the story of when John baptizes Jesus and, uh, and, you know, Jesus goes down and he's baptized. And as he's coming out of the water, he says this in verse 16, it says, And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and lighting or resting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. The, the Passion Translation, I love how the Passion says that in verse 17. The Passion Translation says this, This is my Son, this is, this is the Son I love, my Son that I love, 
and my greatest delight is in Him. Boy, I like that. God said, my greatest delight is in the Son. So here we see that God called, God called Jesus His beloved Son in whom He is well pleased, in whom He loves. And we, we, all, we all would agree with that fact that we know that God loves Jesus because He's His Son. We know that, that there's an unfailing love there, that God loved Jesus so much. John 3.16 says, you know, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. You know, so, so we know that God, out of love, gave His Son. And any of us that are parents, we understand until you become a parent, you don't truly understand the love that you have for your kids. When you become a parent, something just changes. You know, I mean, there's, there's, there's a love that, that just happens on the inside of you that you never had before. And, and God had that love, has that love for His Son. And when, and when He was baptized, you know, God spoke out of heaven and He said, This is my beloved Son. This is, this is the joy of my life. You know, God said, you know, He said, this, My greatest delight is in the Son. Man, that's incredible, right? But then I want you to notice what John or what Jesus said in John 17. And we're going to flip through these pretty quick. So in John chapter 17, this is uh, Jesus is praying, um, and this is the prayer that Jesus is praying that's recorded in just incredible. This whole chapter is an incredible um, prayer that he prayed. But but I just want to skip down to verses 22 and 23, and I want you to notice this: that as Jesus is praying. To his father, he says this in verse 22, John 17, 22, Jesus says, And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them. Now, he's praying about us, right? I mean, he's praying for his disciples, but we're, we're, we are his disciples. So he says, And the glory that, that you gave me, I've given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. But look at verse 23. This is still, a, this is still one of the, to me, one of the greatest scriptures in, in the Word of God. It says this, I and them and, and you and me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me, and that you have loved them as you have loved me. Now, so Jesus prayed that he said, the, the same glory that you gave me, I've given them, I've given the disciples, he's given all of us that same glory. But then he said this, he said, I, he said, I pray that they're one like you and I are one, talk, Jesus talking to his father. He said, I pray just like you and I are one, that they will be one with you. And he says, then the world will know this. He said, not only will the world know that I was sent, that Jesus was the sent one, but, but then he made that last statement, that last, the last phrase of that verse. And he said this, he said, that the world will know that you love them just like you love me. So God loves you. Now, now listen, that's a radical statement. God loves you as much as He loves Jesus. Now, wrap your head around that one. Because that, that's an incredible statement. You know, that God loves us. He loves me. He loves you just like He loves Jesus. That's, I mean, to me, sometimes that, that is almost hard to believe. I mean, it's, it's incredible. Turn over to 1 John. 1 John chapter 3. I'm just I'm giving you some scriptures of, of what the what the word says about the love that God has for us. 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3 says this. John said this, he says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. 
Man, we can stop right there and just preach for days on that. John said, Behold, what manner of love that God has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. So Jesus prayed. He prayed and he said, he said, God, he said, I pray that the world will know that you love them just like you love me. Then here, John, here in the book of first John, he is, as he's writing, he says this, the love that God has bestowed upon us. He said, what, what is so great about that love that you and I could be called the sons of God? Just like Jesus is the son of God, you and I are called the sons of God. Isn't that incredible? I mean, isn't that awesome to think that you and I, in the eyes of our Heavenly Father, we, He loves us just as much as He loves His own Son. I mean, that's incredible. So He says, Behold, what manner of, of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knows us not, because it knew Him not. Beloved, now... We are the sons of God. So John just reiterates it. He says, we are the, the sons of God. We literally are sons of God. And is, it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when, we, that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall uh, see Him as He is. And Now listen to verse 3. And every man that hath this hope in Him purifies himself even as he is pure. So we have a part to play in this. Yes, God loves us. Yes, there's a un, it's an unfailing love. And yes, he loves us just like he loves uh, Jesus. But John said also, he said, if you have that hope, if you have that belief, then you're going to purify yourself just like Jesus purified himself. In other words, we're going to live like we are sons of God. Amen. Look over in chapter 4. Verse 16, and we can spend a lot of time on this, but I'm, I'm trying, to, trying to get somewhere in a hurry here. So y'all, y'all listen fast, okay? 1 John 4, verse 16, and man, I, I, I mean, I love these from the, uh, from the Amplified Bible too, but we'll just read out of King James for right now. He says this, the, in verse 16, he says, And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us, or toward us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. And why, why could we, how could he even say that? How could he say that we're just like him in this world? Because the Father loves us the same way as he loved Jesus. And, and the same grace that was upon Jesus is upon us. Man, I mean, that's, you know, I mean, this is, this is some radical scriptures to really renew your mind with. Verse 18 goes on to say this, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. But, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear hath torment. He that, uh, he that feareth is not made perfect in love. But then look at verse number 19. Here's a key verse. He says, We love him because he first loved us. That's what I was talking about earlier about until you understand, until you get a revelation of the fact of how much God loves you, you will never be able to love Him like, like, he, want, like, you know, like he wants us to love Him. Why? Because if you, you know, it is true, it's even true in the natural. If, if, you, don't have a, if you don't know how much somebody loves, what's, what's the saying that, 
that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Right? And when you, when you know that somebody truly cares for you and somebody truly loves you, then that opens up all kinds of, all kinds of ways that, that you can receive from them. But until, until you, until you, uh, know how much somebody loves you, a lot of times, you know, you don't receive from people. And it's the same way with God. Until you know how much He loves you, then you're going to have a hard time loving Him back. Because the, probably the reality is we treat God a lot like we treat other people in our lives. And if somebody else hurts us, then we, we portray that over to God as well. How many times do you hear people of, of you know, people's stories about how that uh, their fathers abused them so they have a hard time relating to God? Well, what's God got to do with that, right? I mean, you know, a, a, another human abused this person. It wasn't God, but yet they have a hard time. They relate what happened to them in the natural to a heavenly father, and therefore, just like they're, they're hurt and they, they shut people out because of what happened over here in the natural, they'll do the same thing to God in the, in the spiritual. But, but, it, but, you know, it, but we need to turn that around and we need to start understanding the way God loves us is the way He wants us to love others and not the other way around. You know, it's not, well, well if BJ don't love me, then I'm, then I'm not going to serve God. Now, what kind of sense does that make? Right? But we can say it this way, since God loved me and since God loves me just like He loves Jesus then I'm going to serve my other brothers and sisters in Christ simply because I know how much God loves me and I know His heart is to love others. So because He loved me, I'm going to love other people. And I'm going to serve other people. And that's what he's saying here, that, that we have to understand that, um, that if we have a fear of God in the fact of fearing that God's going to get us, like a couple of those testimonies we heard Yesterday about people saying, you know, oh, well, God broke my leg or he put me on my back with pneumonia or, or something like that. You see, the, the scripture here, actually, the, the Amplified says this in verse 18 from the Amplified. It says this, there is no fear in love. Dread does not exist. You know how many people dread God? In other words, when they think about God, they dread, they dread the 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 fear of what God's going to do to them because of what they did last night or or you know or or even just how they've been raised they dread the fear of God you know even the thought of God but here it says that that there's no fear in love dread does not exist but full grown complete and perfect love turns fear out of doors and it expels every trace of terror it says for fear brings with it the thought of punishment. And so he is so he who is afraid has not reached the full maturity of love is not yet grown into love's complete perfection. So if you have a fear of what God, of God's going to get you or that God's going to punish you or God's going to, you know, uh since you didn't tithe today, God's going to give you a flat tire. You know, or your washing machine's going to break down. Or something like that. If you have that type of fear of God, then John here says this, then you don't, have a, you don't have a complete revelation of the love of God. You truly don't understand how much God loves you. Because if you understood how much He loved you, then you would understand there's no fear, there's no torment, there's no punishment coming from God. 
There's only love, love, and more love. Amen. Because all of God's wrath and all of God's punishment was poured out on Jesus on the cross. So God has no more wrath toward you. Amen. I mean, that's good news. John 8, we won't take the time to read that, but John 8, 31-39 is the, the Scripture who says, What can separate us from the love of God? You know, notice in there in that scripture. If you go and study that scripture, it, it it doesn't even it says even sin cannot separate you from the love of God. It says nothing in heaven, nothing on the earth, and nothing even under the earth can separate you from God's love. So, what does that tell us about God's love? It's pretty strong, isn't it? I mean, it is. It's something that you and here here's something about the love of God. You can't change it. What, what you think about God's love doesn't change how much He loves you. Now, it will affect how you love Him and, and other things in your life, but, but just because, you know, it's kind of like one of those things of, it's, it's, it's one of those things that just because you don't believe God loves you doesn't mean He doesn't love you. He loves you. Just say that. Say, God loves me. I mean, whether you believe it or not, He loves you. <laughs> you know, that's just a reality. Um, Colossians 3, you can just write this scripture down. Colossians 3, verses 12 through 14, tells us that we're to put on love. You know, so, so God loves us, but He tells us to put love on instead of putting on fear and putting on, uh, being offended. We're, we are supposed to put on the love of God. Now, let me give you four, four characteristics of God's love. And, and these are big characteristics, and these are things that, that really help you understand uh, how extravagant God's love is. The first one is this. God's love is unconditional. We just talked about that a little bit. It's not limited, but it's absolute. In other words, it, it's unconditional. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you think about it. God loves you unconditionally. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that He loved you even when you were, even when you were at your worst, God loved you the most. Glory to God. I mean, that's pretty powerful there. So His love is unconditional. Now, here's, here's a huge one. Number two is this. God's love is one-sided. It does not need to be returned. In other words, God loves you even if you love Him back or not. God loves everybody in the whole world. You know, God loved uh, Hitler. God loved Charles Manson. You know, you think, you think of the worst people you could think of. You know, God loved them. And He didn't love them because of what they did, right? Because so, there's a lot of people who did a lot of bad things. But even the worst person, God still loved them. Why? Because His love is unconditional and His love is one-sided. It doesn't have to be returned in order for Him to love you. And aren't you glad for that? Because there's been many times that you and I have not loved Him, but He still loved us. Amen. And, and just like we, we read here in John, you know, that we, we can love Him because He first loved us when we were unlovable. And even when we, we, we were bitter enemies to Him, He still loved us. So love is uncon God's love is unconditional. It's one-sided. And boy, here's another big one too. The third one is this. 
His love is free. And not only is His love free, but it frees you to be you. His love is free, and when you receive it, it frees you to be you. Gosh, I mean, that, you know, it's, this is one of those, this is part of the gospel that's almost too good to be true. It's unconditional, it's one-sided, and it's free. That sounds like a pretty good deal, doesn't it? And then the fourth one is this, and, and this is one that we'll deal with here a little bit. The fourth one is this, is that God's love is always other-centered, not self-centered. So in other words, when I understand how much God loves me, it's not just for me. You know, a lot of times when God blesses people, um, you know, a lot of times they think, well, well, God blessed me, so I'm going to bless my four and no more. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to, I'm going to hoard it in, you know, and, and, you know, and I'm going to keep all of the blessings. But God's love, God's love is not self-centered. When you understand how much God loves you, you always understand God loves you so that you can love others. It's always, God's love is always going to point to other people instead of just you. But the good, the good news is, is that when you understand how much God loves you, it frees you to be you, but at the same time, it, it helps you to love other people. You know, it's never God loves me just so I can sit here and bask in His glory and not, not, not ever do anything. You know, He's not going to... And, and it's the same thing with the blessings of God. You understand that God doesn't bless you just so you'll have a large bank account. You know, a lot of people just want to be blessed so they can say they got a million dollars in the bank or what, you know, or whatever. But, you know, if that's the only purpose that you have for, for wanting God to bless you, you, you'll probably never get the blessings of God like that. Because why? Because that is self-centered. That's all about you. But, what's, you know, we hear this phrase all the time, and I mean, and it, but it's a true statement, where if God can get it through you, He'll get it to you. So see, it's, it's, always, it's always about other people. God's love is always concerned about the other. You look at, all throughout the Bible, you see that. How that God's love is not just focused on one person and that person only. But it's focused on, you know, it's focused on the multitudes. It's focused on, on reaching out and, and touching as many people as we can. But He loves just the one, too. And he'll leave the 99 and go get the one. But he doesn't do that just for the one's sake. He does that so that that one can go and touch other people as well. So think about those four. And there's a lot, probably a lot of other ones that we could talk about. But, but his love is unconditional. It's one-sided. It's free. And it's always other-centered. It's not self-centered. Now let me show you a couple, a couple two more scriptures that, that pertain to that. And we'll be, we'll be through this morning. Turn back over to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. And I know I'm skipping over a lot this morning, but, but I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit just will get, we'll give, give it to you. Amen. We'll download it to you. Because we could talk a lot about, about all the scriptures we've looked at this morning. But Matthew 25. And this, this was really, uh, I had this scripture in mind 
to encourage to encourage you guys to come out for Saturday, and uh, because this is a scripture that that talks about just just reaching out and helping one person, and you know because sometimes we think we got to do big things, we think we got to change the world before before we have a big ministry, or we think we got to you know make a huge impact in in the uh, you know uh, even even sometimes churches think that. In order for their church to be successful, they got they have to they have to change the whole city that they're in before before God will consider them a success. But how many of you know that if you touch one life, that's a success? You know, and you don't have to touch multitudes. Now it's great if you touch multitudes, but what I'm saying is there's that each one of us have at least one person that we can touch and minister to. Amen. And then, then we can go from there. Start with the one, and then go go to the multitudes. Amen. Now, just real quickly, this this story here, Jesus is is sharing this with uh, with his disciples, and he says this: When the Son of Man shall, this is Matthew twenty five verse thirty one, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all of the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all the nations, and he shall separate them one from another. As a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats, and he shall set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left hand. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, you blessed of the Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. For when I was hungry, you gave me meat. When I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, say, Lord, when, when did we see you hungry and fed you? When were you thirsty, and when did we give you a drink? When, when, saw, we, when, when saw we you a stranger? In other words, when, when you were never a stranger to us. You know, when did we see you a stranger and took you in? Or when were you ever naked and clothed you? Or when were you sick or in prison and we came unto you? And notice what Jesus said to him. It says, And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Insomuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, you have done it unto me. So Jesus said this. He said, When you see somebody hungry, when you see somebody thirsty, when you see somebody hurting, when you see somebody sick, when you see somebody in prison. Now listen, he didn't put qualifications on let them be a big name or, or make sure everybody sees you do it. But he said, when you go out of your way and say hello to somebody that you see... Listen, I mean, it starts even at a young age. Even like kids in school. When, you, when, when kids reach out to somebody that, that, that's a lonely person or a loner at school or, or somebody that, that normally don't, don't hang around the in crowd... When you go out of the way and you just go and sit down and eat lunch with them or something, God sees that. When you're in Walmart and you see somebody, or, or, or you're in a grocery store, or, or you're driving down the road and, and the Lord puts somebody on your heart or points somebody out to you, and you just simply stop and just say, "Hey, I just wanted to let you know I was thinking about you," or, or you know, or you see somebody that that God kind of you know highlights to you, and you go over and say, "Man, I just want to tell you, God loves you." You see, nobody else in the whole world may ever see that. But God does. When you hear of a a family that's in need and you go buy groceries and take it to them and and nobody else is around to where nobody else sees it, God sees that. 
And God said, when you do it to the least, you do it unto me. And the rest of that scripture talks about where he tells the ones on his left, he says, I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me water. And they're all like, when? When did we see you? We would have, if we knew it was you, we would have done it. If we knew everybody was looking, we may have done something different. Jesus, He didn't say do it for the applause. He didn't say do it so everybody will think you're a good person. He said when you do it to the least, in other words, what He, what he was saying is when you do it to people that nobody else wants to touch. The outcasts, the ones that, that the world's given up on, you reach out and help them. People, people around you say, what are you doing talking to them? What are you doing? What are you doing ministering? You're wasting your money. You're wasting your time. You know, you don't even have to respond to that, but you, you just know in your heart, you know what? When I do it to the least of these, the Father sees it. We're called to do it to, we're, we're called to go to, to whoever that God calls us to, right? And whoever God speaks to us about, that's who we go to. And here he said, he said, when, when, when you do it to the least of these, you do it unto me. Turn over to Mark chapter 12 real quick, and we're going to finish with this one. Mark chapter 12. And we'll look at verse 30 and 31. Now this, here the, the disciples come to him and, and, uh, or actually the scribes come to him. It's, it's some of the scribes and the leaders come to him and, and, uh, you know, they were always trying to trick him, always trying to, you know, get him to, to slip up. And, and they asked this question in verse 28. They asked this question, which is the first commandment or which is the first or the greatest commandment of all of them? And Jesus answered and said in verse uh, 29, Jesus says, and Jesus answered, this is Mark 12, 29, and Jesus answered him and said, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your, uh, all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is no other commandments greater than these. So this person comes to Jesus and asks him, you know, which is, what's the greatest commandment? And, of course, now this is still Old Covenant, because I'll mention that in just a second. But you remember, Jesus is still operating under the Old Covenant. And Jesus said this, he said, he said you've got to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and ability. I mean, everything within you. The, first, the, first great, the greatest commandment is love God with everything in you. And then, and then he said the second commandment, the second greatest commandment, and he said it's just like the first one. He said the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. And he said there's no other commandments as great as these two commandments. Now, here's the thing. In the Old Covenant, you were commanded to love. You know, you had to love your neighbor. You had to do these things or you would break the law. You know, there were certain things you were commanded to do. Under the New Covenant, we're not commanded to love. I mean, he doesn't tell us love or else. But he says this. Remember, the, the difference between the old, and, the old Covenant and the New Covenant is this. The Old Covenant is always based off your performance. How well did you, how well did you love somebody? You know, how, how often did you do this? How, you know, and all these things. 
The new covenant is not based off performance. It's based off just receiving what God's already done for us. So here, how does that relate to the new covenant? How does this relate to us? Well, here's how it relates. Jesus said this, the greatest two commandments is love God and love your neighbor. Under the, old, under the new covenant, God, God loves us and now He calls us His Son. And so when we understand that, when we understand how much God loves us, then it frees us to love Him just the way He loves us. And that's with our whole heart. And it's not, a, it's not grievous, it's not a burden, it's not hard to do. We just we follow His lead. He is our example. So we love God the way He loves us, and that's unconditional, one-sided, free. You know, other people, other centered. I mean, in other words, we don't think about what we're going to get out of God if we love Him. We just love Him because He first loved us. And then, how does, how does that relate? That relates this way. When we love God the way He loves us, then it's going to automatically point us toward other people. Now, let me ask you just this question, just something to ponder here as we finish up. What if everything that we walk through in life, the good, the bad, the ugly, you know, you name it, everything that we go through in life, what if it comes down to two questions? Did you love God and did you love your neighbor? Well, yeah, but you don't know what they said to me. Well, did you love God and did you love them? Well, yeah, but you don't know you don't know what they did. How did you love God and how did you love them? See, because until because we'll never be able to I'll never be able to love BJ until I understand how much God loves me. I, listen, I'll never be able to love my wife the way I need to. Until I understand how much God loves me. And when I get a revelation of how much God loves me, you know what? It's easy to love somebody else. It's easy to, to prefer her. It's easy to, to, to think of her more than I think of myself. Why? Because I know how much God loves me. And I have that revelation of, of how... I, I understand how much God loves me. So that therefore... Therefore, since I know how much He loves me, it's easy to love other people. Why? Because the love of God is always other people-centered. It's not self-centered. You say, you know, well, well what about the, 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 big, the people that are doing great things for the Lord? You know, like I said, to God... When we do things out of love, when we do things with a pure heart, with a, with a pure motive of love, the size is not the issue. We talk about, we talk about that a lot uh, in giving, about you know, God is not concerned about the numbers, how many zeros is on the check, as much as He's concerned about your heart. It's a heart issue. And here's the thing, here's the thing with, with ministry and, and just reaching out and touching people. I'll give you two examples. There's, there's two great examples that I can give you. One of them is Reinhard Bonnke. How many of y'all have ever heard of him? He's a great evangelist to Africa and just does great things. I mean, this guy ministers sometimes to millions of people at a time. These conferences he has 
these, these crusades he has in Africa. Sometimes there's, I mean, I can't remember how, how big his biggest crusade was, but it was millions of people. There's been times where, where he's had like a million people give their heart to Jesus in one crusade. How many of y'all, how many of y'all have ever stood in front of a million people? Much less had a million people give their heart to Jesus at one time after you got through talking. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? And we might think, man, when he gets to heaven, man, I mean, you know, him, or, or you think of Billy Graham, or you think of people that stood in front of, uh, you know, a large, large amounts of people, you think, man, they're going to have great rewards in heaven. Then you think of somebody like Heidi Baker. And Heidi Baker is a, a missionary, and she's, she lives in, her and her husband Roland live in Mozambique, um, and and just in the in the poverty section, I mean they they have you know to hear her story like they have churches in in garbage dumps where people actually live in the garbage dumps and they go into these places and set up churches and they have church right there in the middle of a garbage dump. But but Heidi tells story after story about how how she'll just be she'll just be going down the road and she's like people always know that that you know. Time is not important to me. She's like, if I'm supposed to be somewhere at, you know, 7 o'clock and I'm driving down the road to get there and I see, I see somebody on the side of the road and God tells me to stop, she said, I'll stop for the one and I'll minister to that one until God's through and then I'll go to the appointment. She said, I may be an hour late, but you know what? I, I have to stop for the one. And you might think, well, well, she's stopping for one and then another and then another. And man, you know, you compare her to somebody who talks to millions at a time. You would think, man, this person over here that, that's going to talk to millions, they're going to have a whole lot more rewards than the person that stops and talks to one. But that's not true. The size to God doesn't matter as much as, as it is you're doing what He's called you to do. Amen. And you just have to know, listen... Here's the reason. How does that relate to us today? And why does God love us so extravagantly? Why, why is it that God went through everything He went through and Jesus went through everything He went through? Why did He do, why did Jesus do that? Well, the first thing is because He loves us. I mean, that's true. But I believe it's even greater than that. I believe that Jesus went through everything He went through. God loves us with such an extravagant love. For the biggest purpose, yes, God wanted a family and Jesus did it because He loves us and, and He saw us coming together as a family. I understand that. But I believe even greater than that is that we are loved so that we can love. Amen. We're loved. We have an understanding of how much God loves us so we can reach out to the one and love them. Yeah. And some of you may be called to millions. Some of you may be called to, to large things. And some of you may be called to talk to one person. But that talking to one person is no smaller than talking to a million people. You're loved to love. And when God and when Jesus gave that, that story there about about you know feeding and feeding feeding him when he was hungry and giving him drink when he was thirsty, listen, that is something that every one of us in every day of our life we can we can apply to our lives. Because we always find somebody, there's always somebody across our path to, to, that we can smile at, that we can bless, that we can stop and pray for, that we can just take the time to, to listen. It doesn't have to be a huge thing. 
So get, get, at, get this out of your mind that, that you're not good enough to serve God, that, that God can never use you, that, you know, that, that you've, that, you know, you can't do this and you, no, listen, every one of you, I guarantee you, if I saw you talk to your friends, if I saw you talk to your family members, if I saw you talk to, to people you were very comfortable with, I guarantee you that every one of you can at least smile at somebody. That some that you could all, you know, say God loves you. <laughs> you know, how can I pray for you? And that you can say a prayer for somebody. What what I'm getting at is this, guys. That God loves us so much, so that we can turn around and love other people. And that's exactly what we're called to do. John said this, or Jesus said this, but he said that the world will know. That we have love for the Father. Now, notice in, in that scripture, he didn't say, he didn't say, you know, when you have the biggest church, or he didn't say when you have the, the fanciest car or the nicest clothes. Jesus said this, he said, he said, the world will know that you have love, or that, that you love the Father when you, ha- when you have love one for another. When we figure out how to love each other here, then the world will understand how much we love God. Why? Because we're loved to love. We get an understanding of how much God loves us, and then it automatically just makes us want to love other people. You cannot understand how much God loves you and then have hatred in your heart toward your brother. It's impossible. Because if if anybody deserved to have hatred in their heart, it would be Jesus. Because of everything He went through. And you look at his example and what did he say? When he was hanging on the cross and those guys were putting nails in his hands, torturing him, and just and those guys beating him like they did. What did Jesus say? Jesus, with, with going through that much torture and that much anguish and that much pain, Jesus was still able to say, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Amen. And we get mad if somebody doesn't say hi to us. Or somebody looks at us and we think they looked at us funny. It's because, listen, the reason we get so offended and the reason that we get so mad so easy is because we don't have a true revelation of how much God loves us. Because once you understand how much God loves you, you'll be impossible to offend. I don't think some of you believe that. But it's true. You know why you'll be impossible to offend? Because you have to take offense. You have to choose to be offended at somebody. You have to choose to be mad at somebody. And the same way you choose offense, the same way you choose to be mad, you can choose to love them like God loves them. Now, that doesn't mean you have to let them abuse you and that you have to let them run over you. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that, that you, you don't have to take offense. And you don't have to be angry with people. You can love them just like Jesus did. Amen. And the reason you can do that is because He first loved you. And because He loved you, now you can love Him. And when you love Him, when you get that understanding, when you love Him because He first loved you, then you're naturally going to love other people. So, let's go love people with the love of God. Amen? Let's go, let's go find the hungry, the, the, the thirsty, the, 
the naked, the, the ones in prison, the, you know, all of those, the ones that are hurting. And let's be the hands and feet of, of Jesus in this world. That's what He's calling us for. Amen. Amen. That's why He loved us. Because you know what? Jesus is not here today in, the per- in person. But we are. And He's in us. So let's, let's you and I go be the hands and feet of our Lord Amen. and our Savior. Amen? Amen? So get, you know, and if you struggle with these things, study some of these Scriptures. Just, just study about how much God loves you. The extravagant love that God has for you. And when you understand that love, oh, it's easy to love other people then. Because you understand that everything that Jesus did for you, He did it because He loves you. Amen. And, and even, even when people do things you don't agree with, you can still love them because you understand that God loves them just like He loved you. You see, I've messed up. I mean, throughout my life, man, I've messed up a whole bunch of times. And you know what? I know this. I know this. God still loves me. And because He still loves me, I know this. He still loves you. Even though you've messed up a bunch of times. Everybody sitting here has messed up a whole bunch of times. But here's the thing. God's love has never failed. His love is unconditional. It's one-sided. Even when you were messing up at your worst, He still loved you. His love is free. And His love is all about loving other people. Amen. So this week, go in the love of God. Go Go find people to love on. Go find people to share the love of God with. And be the hands and feet of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And if we could rewind and do this last week, I would tell you to come out to the Red Rose Festival. But since the Red Rose Festival is over, I'll say go out to your, to your world and be the hands and feet of Jesus. Amen. Let me, let me pray for you. Let's bow our heads. If you're here today, listen, the, the first step in all of this is having a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, then the only way that you're going to understand love like this is to, is to receive His love that He has for you. The first step of that is becoming, uh, you know, is asking Him to be your Lord and Savior and allowing Him to come into your life. And if, if you're here today and you've never, if you've never done that, if you've never asked Jesus to be your Savior, then I want, today would be the greatest day ever to do that. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus and you say, Pastor, I want to, I want to, uh, I want to, you know, make Him my Lord and my Savior, would you just slip your hand up? I'd love to be able to pray with you, anybody at all. Uh, I see that hand. <clears throat> Anybody else? All right, let's stand to our feet just for a moment. If you're here and, and you just say, Pastor, I just need prayer. If you raise your hand, maybe maybe you didn't raise your hand for whatever reason. Or you might say, Pastor, I just need to, to get back right with Jesus. I've got a relationship with Him, but I just need to, to, to get my life back right with Him. And, and you say, you know, Pastor, I just, I just want to, I want to make things right today. And you say, I would like for you and Miss Stacy to pray with me. I want to invite you just to come down, and, and we would love to be able to pray with you, and 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 just uh, and love on you like Jesus would love on you. But anybody at all want to need prayer and want to come down, we we'd love to be able to pray with you, and and just encourage you. But more than anything, guys, listen. More than anything, I just encourage you, go out this week and allow Jesus. Allow Jesus to love through you. Amen. We're going to minister to this one. And then as, as we do that, y'all just stay in an attitude of prayer with us and as we minister to her. <clears throat>
All right. Well, I pray that you have a great day. And uh, remember, we've got prayer tonight at 6. If you can come back, we'd love to, love to have you join us for corporate prayer. We love you guys and pray you have a blessed week. And go be the hands and feet of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.